and welcome to episode 49 of Yelling About Comics. Tonight, I don't think we're going to be yelling about comics, so maybe much as maybe a little bit of squeeing about comics. Because at long last, my lovely co-host Carrie and I have both seen Captain Marvel. And we both saw it opening weekend. Yes! That, like, never happens. No, I, I saw it opening day. You know why? Yeah. Because I bought tickets ahead of time and I told my family, tough. <laughs> <laughs> we saw it. We had hockey tryouts, so I think we saw it that Sunday night. Mm-hmm. But yeah, still opening weekend. So I was really excited. Um, yeah, we saw it and it was good. Yes, it was very good. It was good. I, you know, I was really nervous going into it because I have seen, I had seen two types of reviews. I had seen people just tripping over themselves, proclaiming it the second coming of Christ and the best Avengers film ever, which, no. No. And then I saw a bunch of people who were like, nah, nah, it is not that great. Uh, which I disagree with that. Um, it is another origin story. Which, to be fair... She needs one. She needs one. That, see, that's the thing, is that on one hand, I'm like, I'm really sick of origin stories. But on the other hand, it's kind of like the Deadpool movie. They yeah, cl- you're talking about a character that not many, that the masses are not familiar with. Right. Well, and I think they made that same argument with the first Deadpool movie, mm-hmm. too, is that some people, like, they've seen pictures of Deadpool. They're familiar with him as a character, like, as in this character exists, but they don't understand anything about him. And so they really needed to do an origin for him. And I think the same thing with Captain Marvel. I think if you would have just trotted out a lady with superpowers, people would have been like, who is this? And it's not like... I'm trying to think of a good example. Like, obviously, I mean, at this point, culturally, Superman and Batman could just show up and people would be like, mm-hmm, we know who this is. And Spider-Man. Like, I think Spider-Man, Wonder Woman. You know what? A a good example, I think, would actually be the Fantastic Four. I think you could trot the Fantastic Four into a movie and people would be like, okay, I can go with this. I I can kind of suss out what's going on here. Um, (laughs) Captain Marvel, not really. (laughs) So she really, really needed an origin story. We needed to know who this lady is and where she comes from. Also, given that Nick Fury had a pager for her at the end of Infinity War, we we really needed to know how he knows this person. Well, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just figure if we're going to have Captain Marvel in Endgame, which obviously we are, like, yes, we got to do a backstory somehow. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I'm personally thankful that they made the backstory the way it is. But I, I'm thankful that they made, that they did the backstory, and they said the reason why she hasn't been around is because she's been traversing all over the universe, mm-hmm. which brings up other questions, like, how has she not known about the Thanos threat before, especially when the Kree are involved? I don't, anyway. Yeah, I want to talk specifically about that. Um, but um, Because that was, I think that was my only hmm, yeah. moment. Well, let me fin- um, finish. Oh, yeah. Shit. Oh, but I'm glad that they didn't have it that she's been in a coma. Right. Because of Rogue. Because that just opens up this huge can of worms. Well, or like she's been in stasis or she's been on, like, you know, she's been 
on ice, essentially. P- mm. Pick your way that she was on ice, you know, coma, stasis, whatever. Yeah, I agree. I was a little worried that that was going to be it, too. Like, I was worried that it was going to be, like, a um, wake me up when you need me sort of thing and not just a I've been off doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Because I like the idea that she's been off doing stuff for two reasons. One, it means that she's been having adventures of her own and they could eventually do a movie about that someday. But also... It it leaves it pretty open for them to be like, oh, she knows about this thing because of this, right? Mm-hmm. Like, from a storytelling device, it's it was a smart decision. Yes. And it might also suggest that other people are familiar with her. Right. You know, honestly, when Nick reached for the pager and to get her, what I honestly thought it was, was I was going a little more hardcore nerdy than they were. I was thinking that oh, we're going to get into S.W.O.R.D. And she's been up right. in space protecting the Earth, which which then I was like, well, how can that be? Because where was she in New York? You know, I'd started, you know, kind of piecing things. But um, as I discovered in this movie, they kind of don't care about continuity, I feel like, as much as I do. Um, so, so that's honestly what I thought. He was summoning her from S.W.O.R.D. Because we've seen Nick do something similar before. You know, right. Not exactly a pager, but I mean, as far as I knew, it was like, is it entirely a pager? Because, you know, it didn't really, it looked like a pager, but yet it didn't at the same time. And we found out why, you know, at, right. at the end of the movie, because she had modified it. But I thought it could have been, you know, almost like, you know, uh, like in those movies where like they have like the, the lifeline and it's always a safety deposit box with a burner phone in it that only has one number. That's kind of what I thought it was like to some device that's like almost so much ancient tech that it only goes to one thing, but nobody else would know what it was for. Right. Which is kind of true. It kind of was. Kind of was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, I liked that. There, there, And that's the other reason that they had to do the origin story for her, too, I think, because that's the first question that you go to is where the shit has she been? Um, you can still kind of ask the question of where the shit has she been. Um, I think the only... I can kind of hand wave away some of the other stuff. The first Avengers movie, <laughs> that's the one that I'm kind of like, oh, this was an alien race coming to Earth in an invasion force. Yeah, why didn't he call her then? Yeah, that's the part where I'm like, hmm, I feel like this would have been a good time for her. Even, like, I could even... When Ultron... Um, is about to basically destroy the world. Even then, I could kind of understand, like, okay, the Avengers have proven themselves. They're there. You don't really necessarily need her for this. This is decidedly an Earth problem. Mm-hmm. Invading alien force, I feel like, definitely would register on my Richter scale. Uh, well, yeah, especially since she kind of um, knows mm-hmm. about aliens and mm-hmm. invasions mm-hmm. and and things. And, Chris, I also start to wonder, because, you know, she was with the Kree... And, um, you know, kind of cross paths with Ronan in a way. Yes. Where was, why haven't the Guardians of the Galaxy run across her? So that's the one, if I had a point to one thing that I'm like, okay, this is a bit of a plot hole and I don't understand why they did this. Um, at the very end of the movie, spoilers, um, at the very end of the movie when Ronan, which, (laughs) I love the scene when she just, and they're like, we're going. Um, But 
when he says, we'll be back for the weapon, and oh, the Tesseract, the woman. The fact that, A, he never goes hunting after her, B, nothing apparently, he never mentions her at all in his quest for the Infinity Stone, because he goes straight to looking for a different stone. He's not looking for her, and I guess, I did read an argument online, but it just, oh god, it was just a little too stretchy for me, where they were like, oh, in his quest for looking for an Infinity Stone... You know, when they sent him off for the one, maybe he was really looking for her, or maybe it led him to this Infinity Stone, and then he decided that that would help him fight her. But I'm like, no, he sets up at the beginning of the movie what he really wants to be fighting. So I actually would have liked if when she's like, get the hell out of here and punches her fist, that he would have been like, we want no part of that. No part of that at all. And left. That would have seemed better to me. But the fact that he's like, oh, I'll be back for her, but then never mentions her right but they also you know you learn that the Cree that he's been he's a ref not really a refugee but they've just dis- the Cree have disavowed him yes you know um so they that's because accu- he's one of the accusers and the accusers are clearly bad fucking news <laughs> so uh that kind of that explained to me like a little bit of why you know he might uh, he might have kind of forgotten because he's got his own things and now he's with Thanos. But mm-hmm. my big question is: she's out there in the universe. How does she know where of Thanos and what he's been doing, going from galaxy to galaxy and wiping out populations with every planet he goes to? How has that not crossed her radar? You can't tell me she's been with the Skrulls all this time. My only guess that they're going to say is that she was like so far out there because remember the the Kree their empire is massive mm-hmm. it spans and they needed to get somewhere where the scrolls could scrolls could not be found by the Kree so i'm guessing that it's going to be one of those things where she has been like so far out there that she's just missed everything because, you know, they've been traveling. And they probably also have been in transit for a long time. So you're thinking that Thanos just hadn't gotten to that half of the ga- that's, that half of the that's, universe yet? It's the only thing I can think of. It doesn't... It's a weak argument. But it's the only logical thing that I can think of. Mm. That or... Uh, that would be also weak. I was going to say maybe, like, you know... She's heard of him, but she hasn't, like... She didn't really understand, like, maybe the magnitude... Of his stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, that does open up. I, to me, that whole... That piece is the only part that I'm like, mm, what exactly is this? Um, everything else was open enough. Like the Tesseract. See, that bothered me the most. See, that one I'm willing to hand wave away only because there's a long... We know that, we know that Stark fishes it out of the ocean. Right. And then it's not seen, it's not, it's history is not again mentioned until they're experimenting on it in the beginning of Avengers. So. Except that when Fury goes to activate Captain America, Mm -hmm. he said, do you recognize that? And of course he did. He's like, yeah, Stark fished that out of the ocean looking for you. Well, that's what I'm saying is that I think, I think eventually they went, they, I think like. They don't say when that happened. So at some point, they were looking for Captain America. They found that. I think that distracted them, obviously, alien tech. There's like, I mean, there's 50 years in there, right, where who knows what happens. They find it. We don't know when they find it. We don't know when Annette Bening steals it. She's just Annette Bening. 
We don't know when she steals it, and then they get it back. Like, there's 50 years of time for them to work with. Now, the fact that Nick Fury doesn't seem to recognize it or isn't immediately like, that thing, that's where that went. It also could have been at the time, because they're talking about how he was a lower level that could be too. Agent. Maybe he's like, oh it's, shit, I had no idea. It's just that when he tells Cap, he's like, you know, Tower Stark fished that out of the ocean looking for you. He, you know, that maybe that's just, maybe that's just what's on paper with shields and, you know, how a flurkin threw it up later. Here's my other question. Where's the cat? <laughs> so the flurkin, in the comic, they mention they basically are cats just they you know i mean they mimic human cats like they have mm -hmm. the short lifespans and everything despite having a pocket dimension in their gut so <laughs> i'm guessing the cat died or maybe somebody like took it back because they are very dangerous i mean in the comic when the flurkin shows yeah. up every well not everyone because carol doesn't know that it's a flurkin yet she just thinks it's a cat too rocket raccoon is immediately like oh yeah oh, he's shit kill it yeah, yeah, because uh, I've been reading um, Captain Marvel, the back stuff. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, yeah. you know, when it shows up, everybody's like, oh, no. Oh, yeah, like, Rocket's like, why do you have that in your lap? <laughs> like, he's, like, he's ready to kill it, and he's like, he keeps trying to flurkin, she's like, it's a cat. He's like, no, it's a flurkin. Until it lays eggs, and right. then she's like, oh. Yes, like the millions of cats. <laughs> yes, you know, all cats lay eggs. That's where cats come from. Um, Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing it's dead, or... Maybe it is still out there somewhere. We just don't know about it. But it does... So along those lines, if you recall, what movie is it? So this uh, is what happens when a continuity goes over 10 years. Yes. Well, there's a movie, and I can't remember what it is, but he's talking with Thor, and they talk about finding the hammer, and he talks about how he's like, you know, we were always looking for threats. He basically gives her the same speech, where he's like, we've always been looking for threats down here. It's not until you showed up that it dawned on us that they would come from up there. He gives her that speech in 90, and then he gives somebody else that speech in the mid-aughts. Really? So like, I can't remember what movie it is, but he says it specifically. He talks about, it might actually be the Avengers movie. Well, I think I he talks about how it never occurred to them. Right, because, you know, they asked, they're wondering why they were making these like these hydro weapons and fury just goes because of him and points to thor and he's like well me because of that destructor that loki sent down he's like we had no idea that we needed you know to answer to a higher power of war and thor's yeah. like well now the universe is coming to call for it so it's almost like this really horrible cycle right kind of but through. again it happened to him in 1995 and he gives carol the same speech where he's just like, it never even occurred to me. We'd have to be looking up there. And remember, she's even kind of like, oh, bless your heart. Uh, maybe just for that whole thing, you know, he kind of had to, maybe they all had to sweep that. Because, I mean, I don't remember him saying that to her, but I believe you that, that he did. Um, I don't if, remember the exact quote. But that's kind of, that's a break in continuity as well. Unless, again, he was so lower rank that the higher-ups kind of dismissed it among everything. Possible, but he just seemed so... And one thing people have been... So along those lines, one thing that people have said is a continuity break, but I'm like, no, I think it's fucking awesome, is 
I think it's in Winter Soldier. But when he points at his eye, and he's like, I made the mistake of trusting someone before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it's the Thorkin <laughs> that claws him, which I thought was... So I read some article where they were just like, this is bullshit. This just breaks the continuity. No, it doesn't. And I was like, no, it doesn't. It's hilarious because, you know, he did make the mistake of trusting that cat. Um, and the best more part was uh, Colt Coulson. He's like, is, yes. is it true, sir, that your eye was burned out while you were fighting... Fighting the creed to the death. <laughs> like, I can neither yes. confirm nor deny. So speaking of that, one of the other things that I've seen people rage about, and I absolutely adored it, was the Stan Lee cameo. He is... I adored it for I two reasons. loved it. I adored it for two reasons. One, I absolutely love Mall Rats, and I forever will, and it has a special place in my heart. He's seen on the bus reading the Mall Rats script. So he's rehearsing and his lines. He is. <laughs> Which is amazing. But Captain Marvel, she's going through that bus because she knows there's a scroll on it and she's looking all like she's glaring at everyone. But she smiles at Stanley. Mm-hmm. And then she continues. But so people are angry about it because if you recall, in Mall Rats, the sole purpose of his cameo is to talk to Brody about superheroes having sex and sex organs and oh my god it's such a random conversation but so people are just like so does this mean that these characters you know that they uh, that they've seen mall rats that they already know that there's movies about them and blah 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 jesus fuck christ seriously i it's a fun reference to a movie he had a cameo in that was filmed in the 90s for yes. fuck's sake well, the thing that I liked about it is that it kind of establishes... Because, I mean, if you want to go that literal, he's in every fucking movie as something else. So, I mean, why aren't you breaking apart each of those? Like, oh, how does a security guard then become a doctor, then become here, then become there? But mostly, I think it just... I love the theory that it proves that Stan Lee lives outside of the continuity. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. I took it as that. That I was just like, oh, he's not even part of the universe. He's just like this thing, this godlike creature that shows up. A watcher, if you will. Right. Uh, well, you know, in the Lego Marvel games, you know, Lego always has this shtick of something that you have to do. Well, the, like the one random collectible in every level in the open world. Mm-hmm. Well, in the Lego, bleh, the Lego Marvel games, one of those collectibles is Stan Lee in peril. Uh huh. And he's in peril in every level, and you can hear him yelling help. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can't always see him, or you can't always get to him. But, you know, it doesn't matter if you save him in a level or not, he's always in another level. Uh huh. And the thing, I mean, the open world, you find him in an area, and you save him, and he goes and gets stuck in another area. So that one, you actually have a different continuity of trying to save him. Right. So it was. And that's kind of how I've interpreted these cameos. Just Kinda. like. To me, he's like, he's never really. I mean, if you want to say he's a watcher, okay, fine, whatever. It's just a fun nod to the creator of these superhero comics. I don't know why we had yes. to go deeper than that. Right. Well, I think it's. A lot of the times, I think it's people just intentionally trying to find a thing to dislike about it. Um, well, there's other things. I mean. I like this movie, but there are other things to dislike than Stan right. rehearsing a mall rat script. Right, exactly. And I think, actually, I think that was pretty much all that I disliked 
about it. I disliked the... I just like that there are a few plot holes it opens up. I just like that it's yet another origin story. I understand it was necessary, but at this point, how many origin stories have we sat through? Like, a lot. Um, but, again, you know, I, I, I want to make it very clear. I had the same complaint about Deadpool, too. When, that, when That's, like, the only complaint I have about that movie. Is that it's another origin story. See, origin stories don't mind me too... Don't, bleh, they don't bother me too much. The only ones that do are... The ones I've been beaten over the head with. I think most people can tell you Batman's origin story. Most God, people yes. can tell you Superman. Most people can tell you Spider-Man. I don't find those very important. Yeah. I think, I think like, people in America are basically born knowing the Batman origin story. But when you... Or if not Batman, Superman, for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, but, like, you know, for some of these others, you know, like... Again, because they're not huge household names like Superman, right. Spider-Man, you know. Um, and I think we did need one for Captain America just yeah. to explain why he's so young. Right. In present day. Um, you know, at Winter Soldier, people have no idea who Winter Soldier is. You know, he, He's one of those that if you read the comics, you know exactly who he is. But people don't know. Black Panther and one thing I kind of liked about Black right. Panther is that there wasn't entirely an origin story. It was kind of like no. part of um, Captain America Winter Soldier. And that was mm -hmm. a really nice mashing, mashing up. But, I mean, if they had done an origin story before this movie, I would have understood. Because, right. you know, he, um, while Black Panther is a very popular character, he's not a household name. And I can mm -hmm. argue the same thing for Black Widow and all that. I mean, they didn't do... Thank God they have not done origin stories for everybody. Right. Well, I think a lot of people... So, along that line, actually, and this is another reason I think Captain Marvel works, it actually does double duty. Because it's also kind of a Nick Fury origin story, too. Oh, absolutely. Which is wonderful. And even Coulson a little bit. A little bit Coulson, but mostly, I mean, you, yeah. you see Nick Fury as this young... He's basically Mulder at that point. <laughs> That's so well, cool. he kind of, I mean, he is when he's like kind of describing what he does. Like they don't even really know what they're doing with S.H.I.E.L.D. yet. And he's kind of investigating all kinds of weird stuff. And, and he makes mistakes you know, and gets locked up by the government. <laughs> as one does. Right. Um, no, I mean, there's so many little things like that that I was like, oh, well, that's actually really clever to do too. Because it, it made it a little more palpable to me as an origin story that there was actually kind of two that we're getting to see these two characters so one character who we've just kind of always known right so that was nice and again this character who just desperately needed to have an origin story um but i think the reason i complain about them is that they all kind of follow the same beat they mixed hers up a bit the memory thing mm -hmm. was very was good it was a smart way to do that not only that, but they totally flipped that around. Mm -hmm. You know, um, like I knew just because comics, I knew she was not with good people with the Kree. Right. But I didn't know how they were going to spin it because if you read the comics, you know, the scrolls are also not good people. Right. Um, you know, and the earth kind of got caught in between both of these peoples coming in and trying to take over. Uh, so... But I, so I was like, okay, are we going to have them both be evil? So it was an interesting twist that the scrolls were just trying to get away from the Kree. 
And it turned out that she had been, you know, kidnapped by the Kree, not saved by them. And that they kind of almost made her think she already was Kree. Right. In many ways, you know, because she had blue blood. And, and I thought it was interesting in the trailers when she had blue blood. And like, they're going to try to say she's Kree? Because I have a problem with that. And I'm so glad that, that they didn't. Yeah, I did like when, um, at the end, when they're trying to establish whether or not it's her... And he asks her specifically, whose blood's running through her? Mm-hmm. Uh... <laughs> right. So the idea that they kind of kind of made her Cree, mm-hmm. which was probably smart. Which is interesting because if you ever watched Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, the Cree blood is how Coulson came back to life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and... I'm pretty sure this is how the Inhumans roll anyway, but they're saying that the Inhumans were part of a Kree experiment. And so that right. cloud, you know, activates them. So yep. I was wondering if they're going that route or are they going to say she's an Inhuman? Well, I'm glad they didn't go that I route. Don't think, I don't think the MCU is ready for the Inhumans quite yet. They had, you know, in their original plan, there was going to be Inhumans movie, like, this year in 2019. But I think because it flopped so much in Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., like, nobody yeah. liked the Inhumans. Um, there was like, oh, maybe we need to <laughs> abandon that ship. Yeah, no, I, which I think is a good thing. Um, but, you know, other than those things, I really, there were so many, there were so many pieces to this movie I really liked. My... If I had to, again, point to my favorite, the one thing that I was just like, this is amazing, is not only is there no romance, there's no love interest, there's no nothing like that, the movie is just all about friends and friendship. So, like, her reestablishing her friends uh, on Earth, and then her becoming friends with uh, Fury. It is so nice to see those two become friends. It's not the romantic arc. I was actually a little worried. Like... I think at about the two-thirds mark, I was like, oh, shit. Is this going to be, like, some sort of romance thing? And Nope, they just yeah, became I, friends. I wasn't sure between her and her um, commanding officer. Annette Benning? No, 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 no. Uh, oh, Jude Law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that That's the one I, I was wondering about. Um, but it's also, you know, like you said, the friendship, like her friendship with Annette Benning. Yes. And her having this mentor. Mm-hmm. Right, and looking at her and this person that she really admired, and I, t- I liked it. It made it. I don't know if that would have had as much impact on me, if she hadn't in the beginning when she's talking to the AI, and she's like, I don't even know who this is. Mm-hmm. This is the person I admire the most, and I don't know who it is. So then, when you start to learn more and more about Annette Benning in those flashbacks, all of a sudden, I was like, Oh man, now this actually has a little more impact to me. Right, because they established us as being this person, and um, I loved that. I loved her having this mentor who she admired and she was friends with, and that she became friends with. Um, I loved her friend back on Earth. I thought that was fantastic. It's mm-hmm. so rare to see both same sex and opposite sex friendships that are like just strong friendships because. A lot of movies have that tendency to want to make them romantic or to make them very superficial. Like, we're just telling you that we're friends, but we don't actually show that we're friends. 
right? Well, that's one thing I always liked about um, Winter Soldier mm-hmm. was the friendship between Cap and Black yep. Widow. Like, it cracks me up every time when he throws that guy off the building and she's like, what about that girl in the yogurt shop? And he's like, it's like, oh, yeah, I just don't know. And they're still talking about who to set him up with. Like, it's just, no, yeah. never mind, we just threw some guy off the building, you know, no big deal. Yeah, no, I, I love that. I love that they have that friendship. I love his and Bucky's mm-hmm. friendship and that they've established that as a really good friendship. Um, <laughs> uh, Tony and Rhodey. Yes. The, it's just, I don't know why, but for some reason, it is so nice to just see characters as friends. And um, Oh, Black Widow and Hawkeye, because you thought at the beginning that they were a romantic something. thing yeah yeah they're just really good friends. really really good friends yeah i absolutely i love that but i love i love that the the balance between an established friendship and a budding friendship mm-hmm. but i thought that was wonderful i thought hers and nick's friendship was just amazing and i loved what they did with shit was it marie or maria it was maria rambo I loved what they did with her when um, when Carol's talking to her and she's like, oh, this must be hard for you. And Maria's like, nah, this is the easy part. The hard part was losing my best friend six years ago. Mm-hmm. That was, that. I don't know why, for some reason that hit me in the feels. I was like, oh, oh yeah, totally. killing me. Especially because I just love the look on her face when they're explaining all this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's like trying to process it and just like, okay, like you expect me to believe this? Of course, and then the scrolls show up on her doorstep and okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I liked that. I also I liked the rivalry that they had. So at the end when she's talking with the one, the female, the sharpshooter from her team and she's like, you knew. Is that why we never hung out? And the girl's like, no, I just never liked you. Right. That was so honest and wonderful. It's like, that's delightful, actually. Um, I really, I did like that. I Speaking of friendship and, or not friendship, I absolutely love in the ending, <laughs> I love both parts of it, when Jude Law walks up to her and he puts away both of his weapons and he's like, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> it was, I love that she is just committed unbridled damage and he's just like, good on ya. <laughs> You can tell that it's a serious moment from him. Yeah, Very like, serious moment. Like, like he's seriously he, proud of her. He actually, I think, began to like her. Like, not yes. like like her, but he liked her. Respect her. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I, and like I think he he's... was fine, honestly, with her thinking she's Cree and just keeping her. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he was lying to her, but I think he did genuinely respect her and see the potential for a good warrior in her. So I absolutely loved that. And, uh, but I did like, it was a nice touch, and I'll explain why, but when he's like, all right, come on, let's duke it out, and she just blasts him in the Indiana Jones moment, and then when she walks over to me, she's like, I don't have to prove anything to you. I liked it, because that was a wonderful line, but more importantly, I liked that I was like, oh, God, here it goes, they're gonna have to get into a fist fight, because... Any other origin movie, it would be, all right, let's duke it out. Okay, I do have to say that when he did that, I rolled my eyes. Yes, when he was like, now we have it, because you know what's coming next, right? Just another, you know, five minute, like, 
five minute combat scene because we all need to see yeah i had the same reaction i was like and she's gonna be like bested and he's gonna taunt her and something's gonna happen and she's gonna win in the end Mm -hmm. yeah so i was glad she pulled to indiana jones yep just blast them i love that though i'm just like i don't have to prove anything to you i loved it because she did not at all and uh she never really did no, they, but, but I did understand. They were, no, right, I'm just saying that because um, they were controlling her. Yeah. Yep. And I also, just because I love the actor, Jaiman Hansu, love him. Um, I was so happy that they brought him back. So you can kind of then make, I didn't need to make the mental leap between him and Ronan, but I did like seeing him there again. I was like, oh, you. It's, Especially at the beginning when uh, the one guy is just like, you are objectively a beautiful man. I was like, yes, he is. Which, of course, I like nodded and my daughter was like, oh, mom. Sorry, he's a beautiful man. Um, no, there were so many things. I loved the soundtrack, of course. And I don't care how cheesy and on the nose playing Just a Girl was in that fight. I fucking loved it. I don't care about that either. Yeah, it's I loved it. It was fun. And it's a Marvel movie. If you can't have fun, what are we doing here? I mean... Also, also nothing will ever top what would that we, cat. What would we have preferred? Um, Pitbull's cover of I'm Just a Girl? Oh, Jesus. The Aquaman soundtrack. The worst. Um, Exactly. Like, is that what we needed? Or... Yeah, because every um, time I watch Aquaman and that song comes on. I'm like, why Pitbull? Toto's would have been just fine. Guess what? Weezer remade Africa. Yeah. If you needed a remake, a hip new remake, why not grab the Weezer remake? It's playing everywhere right now. Seriously, it was in the grocery store the other day, and I was like, this is not Toto. Well, okay, right. But Weezer did, like, a genuine cover. Like, Pitbull's is, you know, Pitbull's spin on it mm-hmm. oh yeah no they um <laughs> that soundtrack i will not understand forever no and maybe it was because i was that grunge alternative girl in the 90s that like every song that came on i was like oh same <laughs> it was good i some of the low-hanging fruit 90s references i was like uh that was kind of lazy but oh, I still had fun. Like Alta Vista. The other part of me still was like, mm-hmm. and the blockbuster. Yeah. Mostly the blockbuster. Well, the funny thing was is that in that beginning scene when she's walking through the blockbuster, I could name every movie on the top row. I think some of the ones in the second row too. Like as I was looking at them, and I was just like, yep, 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 yep. yep. I know every one of those movies. Because what I loved was happy? when um, Coulson was calling. Fury, because he's like, oh, where'd God, you go? Giant brick. And I'm there cracking up, and Gabe was like, what is that? And I was <laughs> like, oh, babe, that was, uh, that was the very yeah. first consumer cell phone. Mm-hmm. That was it considered was badass. Brick. And it was $50 a minute. <laughs> so... It was ridiculous. Well, yeah, and the thing... That we the all thing. wanted to be like Zach Morris and actually have one. <laughs> right. Well, the thing that I love, the other thing that I really liked that I thought, again, it was low hanging, but I laughed and thought it was hilarious. When they were opening the CD ROM 
and it's taking forever to load, and Maria and Fury are like, this is fine. But this girl and Carol are like, what is taking so long? And they're like, well, it's loading. It's loading, yeah. And they're just like, oh my gosh. Which they would have been, right? I mean, they have well, my kids were. technology. My kids were. They were just like, why is that taking so long? It's like, oh, well, you know. Yeah. Let me tell you what it was like in the Dark Ages. That was running pretty fast back then. Actually, that was my first thought when they were doing that. I was just like, hmm, she's a decent computer. <laughs> for that was for that time. I mean, she right. was a decent computer for that time. I, because we, as a person who played a whole lot of PC games back in the mid-90s, oh my god. I can remember, like, booting up, like, Doom 2 on my parents' HP. I would start it, go downstairs, make my snack, get my drinks, come back up, and it would, like, almost be done. And I'd be like, yay, this is so fast. Like when you got the computer that had 256 megs. Yes, and you were just like, this is the future. I don't need any more space than this. Yeah. Actually, I do remember when they first started selling the first gig hard drives. I can remember being like, who the hell would have that much stuff? Right? I was the same Mm. way. It was funny. It was that I was in this... um, computer class at the time in college and we were talking about gigs because like the gigs were the gig hard drives were like just now coming out or to the point they were affordable and um affordable they were still stupid expensive yes but you know they were like 500 bucks and so they had come down like considerably and um we were talking about that and then someone said that oh well did you know that they've also invented like the terabyte drive and i remember my teacher going there is no reason to ever need that much storage space had to tell you, teacher, uh, my PS4 has a two terabyte internal that I put in it. I had to get an external two terabyte because it's already full. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I that was so by the time the terabyte ones came out, I remember by that point, because, you know, playing as many as we did at that point, I was like, God, it's about time. <laughs> like, now I don't have to have like five of these things. Uh, it was so ridiculous. But overall, I thought. You know, they nailed, they pretty much, they had a good feel for the 90s without being, like, too ridiculous. And, I don't know, I over I liked the overall feel of the movie from start to finish. I had some minor complaints, but then I liked, so I think we were talking about this in our chat one day. But I liked it better than Thor. I liked it better well, than seriously. Doctor Strange. Uh, I liked it better than Doctor Strange, yep. actually. It, it doesn't rank higher than over Doctor Strange to me. I loved Doctor Strange. I liked I liked Doctor Strange. I liked this one. I liked this one, I think, just a little bit more. But it doesn't rank above. I can't... I can't really count Iron Man, because it's probably been five years since I last saw Iron Man. So I don't know where it would rank compared to that one. But I didn't like it better than Captain America. Um, no, I like Iron Man... I have seen Iron Man recently because my kids watch the the old movies over and over again. And um, there's parts of the first Iron Man that I like. But, you know, it was an interesting origin story and and all that. Um, Back in the day. It still kind of is. uh, No, I know it is. It just, it feels like, it feels like it was forever ago. Well, it was like, what, almost 10 years ago, right? I think it was. Wasn't it 2008? I think so. Or maybe before then. I'm going to check that. Because, you know, Happy said and he was holding onto that ring since 2008. So they didn't get together until Iron Man 2. So, anyway. 
2008. Yep. Okay. Yeah, because last year was 10 years. That's right. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's been a while, uh, but it's not one of my favorites. It's not one I want to watch. Like, if I'm going to sit and I'm like, I want to watch, like, an, a solo act, it's most likely going to be um, Captain America, the first Avenger, yeah. or Doctor Strange. I love... I don't... So... I don't know why, but for some reason that um... shit or Black Panther. See, I don't really consider that one an origin story, though. No, I'm, I'm because... saying I'm just saying a solo act. Oh, the solo. Oh, god! If we considered the solo acts, then I think I liked Captain Marvel just a little bit more. No, no, I think I liked Black Panther just a little bit more because. The reason that I think I like Black Panther just a smidge more, and I know that I've said this a million times, but again, I just loved what they did with Killmonger. He actually liked... I thought his story was so much more compelling than Black Panther's. Black Panther's... That portion of the movie, the Black Panther portion of the movie, I actually find kind of meh. But the Killmonger portion, I love. Because he was... Again, it was a villain on his own hero's journey. He thought that he was the hero of his story. And so, and they did such a good job of portraying that. And they did a really good job of showing that, yeah, the Wakandans, the Wakandans have been a little out to lunch. And mm -hmm. they should, they have to answer for some stuff, which I really liked, right? Because that's always one of the things that's bothered me about Wakanda as a concept. Um, so I really loved that portion of that movie. So I think that one probably elevates it just a little bit more because... Really, Captain Marvel's is just kind of a, I'm working for the good guys. Wait. Or no. am I? Shit. <laughs> right? Everything which, I knew was a lie. Which I actually had your same reaction too, because again, I read the comics. I was like, well, the scrolls, the scrolls aren't like all good. <laughs> like, I understand that maybe, I don't know, it's kind of splitting hairs here. If you want to be like, well, which one's worse? Well, I think... I I I didn't mind that they made the scrolls um like the good people mm -hmm. because I think if you're going to make the scrolls the way that they were in the comics you're talking about a way overly complicated story. So well that's God you could apply that to so much stuff in Marvel though. If well, you do this right, it's fucking complicated. But <laughs> but you're just talking about like a story that went for years in yeah. the comics, the conflict with the skulls and the Kree invading Earth. Yeah. Um I mean there's a cartoon series that actually uh uh Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, which actually is a pretty good cartoon that dove into it and they did a Ooh. whole season just yeah. on that conflict. Yeah, well, I mean, it's worthy of a whole season to mm -hmm. tell the whole thing. Um, yeah, no, that one, that was a little bit of a surprise to me. Yeah, I guess if we're going for solo acts, probably just beneath, beneath Black Panther and Captain America. Definitely above the Thors, though, and, um, yeah, just above Doctor Strange. Not like, it's like, it's a good country mile ahead of Thor. Um, well, not including Ragnarok, Thor one and th Dark World is the bottom. The Dark World. Then you have to go up like a few flights of stairs. Then we can start the rest of the list. That sounds good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Dark World is definitely the. What the hell were you guys thinking? They made up for it with Ragnarok. Oh yeah. 
I mean, even Chris Hemsworth said if they made another Thor movie like Ragnarok, he would come back and do it. Oh, yeah. Back to Dark World, he was like, kill me now. (laughs) So bad. Dark World was so fucking bad. So bad. But yeah, it wasn't... I mean, I, I thought it was very middle of the road. Wasn't amazing. No, it was not amazeballs, but I still think that they did Carol right. Yes. Um, and that's really all I wanted, you know. Yes. I liked I, the the story was good. It was a good twist. Um, like I said, they they did Carol right. There was a few plot things that really bothered me, but not enough for me to be like, this movie sucks. Yeah, no, for sure. I told my husband that um, I don't know if you've ever seen History of the World, Mel Brooks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the scene there's a great gif of it too it's one of my favorite gifs there's a guy he says nice nice not thrilling but nice and that's 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 how I felt when I left I was like yeah it was good good yeah, not like the, amazing but it was good no that's um, that, that's a good good way to describe that I think the thing that's disappointing me about it is that it doesn't deserve the hate that it's getting but it also doesn't deserve some of the like tripping over yourself to praise it as the greatest thing ever. I can't remember what review it was I read. I think it might have been on the Mary Sue. But they were basically proclaiming it to be the absolute best superhero movie ever made. And I'm like, mm, you know what? I, I was having this debate with my husband as well. I think I might like it more than Wonder Woman. But it's close. I like Wonder Woman more. And that's and the reason why that is just because I have a more emotional attachment to Wonder Woman as a child. That's fair. And, you know, that very first scene where she leaps out of the trench. When she goes across no man's through, land. I started to tear up. And, like, oh, as God. we were leaving, I was crying. And Sean was like, what is wrong? I was like, that's the movie we always wanted. And he didn't understand it. It's like, you don't understand. Like, no woman has had a movie like this. This is the movie no. we've... This is... And they did it right. They This is how Wonder Woman would be. And it was... They got the amazing actress for it. They did the action scene so well. You know, is that that's how it's supposed to be. Uh, so, and I didn't have that same reaction to Captain Marvel, so maybe that was because, you know, of, of Wonder Woman. But it's also, I just don't have, I like Captain Marvel as a character. I don't have that same attachment as I do Wonder Woman. Right. And that's totally, totally fair. I, the only reason I think I like it a little bit more is, and I, and I know we talked about this after Wonder Woman came out, but I had major, major issues with the ending of that. When she's off fighting Ares and Chris Pine is actually saving the world. Um, at major issue, that part, I was like, oh, God, this ending is so bad. But I don't know. It, again, it depends on my mood, I think, too. Because, like, the other day when we were talking about it, I was like, oh, yeah, I definitely liked Wonder Woman better. Um, it just depends on my mood. Because I did like the humor in Marvel. Um, but, yeah, I liked it. It wasn't... I. I worry with so many people and so many reviews coming out and just being like, it's the best ever. And like the Mary Sue did an article that infuriated me because it was like, uh, it said the headline was something like every reviewer who doesn't like Captain Marvel is a man. I was like, you know what? That's not, 
that's fair problem here and i think the big reason why so many sites are saying it's trash and so many sites are saying it's the best thing ever is because unfortunately brie larson had to open up her mouth and made some comments that she doesn't i don't think she really realizes are pretty darn sexist but you know you know but it doesn't matter no you should not so Ugh, I mean, so but yeah. all that all that's done is make me look down on her. But as I've told people time and time again, because people were telling me you need to boycott this movie because of stuff that she said. I'm like, if I boycotted every movie where an actor actress said something I did not agree with, I would never see anything. You'd never watch another Tom Cruise movie again. Jesus, well, that guy's a Scientologist. Well, I don't really anyway because. I don't like most of his stuff <laughs> to begin with. Edge of Tomorrow, Edge of Tomorrow, and Minority Report are okay. Like I do like flawless. Minority Report. I do like and Minority I Report. Refuse to hear otherwise. No, Edge of Tomorrow is actually very I've good. I've never too. seen it. I recommend it. It's fun, but yeah, I mean, to your point, I yeah. But, but it's would, unfortunate. You know how many movies you wouldn't watch? Oh no, but it's just unfortunate that she did open her mouth. And say things in a way she probably didn't mean to be as rude. Or maybe she did. I don't know. I'm not her. And it just. I don't know. And it just sparked this thing where a bunch of. She pissed off a whole bunch of men. And I understand why they got mad. And so the women feel like they need to go the other direction to make up for it. And that's not helping anything either. And I unfortunately have some friends on Facebook who went and saw it said um you know 10 minutes into it they're like this is such the biggest feminist agenda and then they left the movie and got their money back because they hated it so much and i was like well if you're gonna go in there with that attitude yeah it was and i said i said to me um i was like you guys don't know what pushing a feminist agenda is if you think that was it because that was not were there some moments where she talked about how you know they're saying there would never be a woman pilot and she was fighting through that yes that shit happened okay yeah but they didn't go oh over, yeah but it was never over the top you know women's superiority no. and all that shit it was how it should be i think yeah. no. I, I think the only problem i had with brie larson in the movies i feel like she only had two faces she did actually but you know what i would actually argue that's just kind of her i mean well, I've yeah, but that's why I couldn't stand Kristen Stewart either. Every time I see her, I'm like, close your mouth. Ugh. Close your mouth. Close well, your Kristen, mouth. Kristen Stewart constantly looks like she just walked into her, in on her parents having sex. <laughs> it's the only look she has is terribly, terribly uncomfortable. You know, um, oh shit, what was her name from the 80s and the 90s? Jennifer Jason Lee. She mm. was another one who she had one facial expression, and it was, I just walked in on my best friend fucking my boyfriend. Just this sad, constant, uncomfortable, sad, that my life is coming to an end. That was her only mode. Only mode. And it worked for some of the roles that they put her in, right? But some of the, some places you were just like, honey, come on. Um, like, at the risk of making a horribly, horribly con- sexist comment, I was just, just like, can you please smile? Just show me that you're, like, not... Like, show me you're okay. <laughs> no, never. Actually, and when usually when she did smile, it was just because her character was having something not good going on. Like a single white female. Anyways, um, I understood it. My problem that I have, my biggest concern that I have is with all of these reviewers just tripping over themselves to proclaim it, like, the greatest movie ever. 
A Quiet Place was a good movie. Every, before I saw it, though, everybody hyped it as being the literal best movie ever. Oh my god, it's the best movie ever. It's the best, it's best, it's best. So when I watched it, I was kind of like, oh, huh, that's okay. I think I would have liked it more had people not overhyped it to me. I have that with books a lot, too. Right, like, right. where people tell you, like, this is the greatest series ever, it's going to change your life, and you read it, and you're like, ugh, okay. You know what I mean? I, so I oh, worry no, about I that, totally too. Oh, no, I totally you're talking to someone who hated Scott Pilgrim. Oh, I didn't like that movie, either. I like it was, two scenes in it, but it's so problematic overall. Well, I know which scenes th that you like, and when you reminded me of them, I'm like, oh yeah, those parts were funny, but I don't remember. I saw the movie once, and I told this friend who said I had to see it, it's like, don't recommend me movies ever again. It's like, because if you think this is the best movie ever for video gamers, like, I, we don't have the same taste, because I was bored in the entire movie. An adult man in his mid-twenties is dating a high school girl, and that's a plot point. Oh, I know. I was having issues with that. And then... I don't he, understand. And then when he meets a delivery girl, has like two-word conversation with her, she wants to fucking leave, and suddenly mm -hmm. he's ready to throw down his life for her. I'm like, like okay, you know what? Um, Disney princesses have more plot points than this. <laughs> oh, no. She was solely just an object for him to possess and desire. And that's actually the whole thing since all these people who are her exes are trying to fight for her back that's all she is is an object if you want to talk about princess peach being the ball that um mario and uh why can i not think of bowser throw back and forth yeah that's that's all she is is a ball right. um and she has zero agency in it until they absolutely need her to have agency in it because you know he can date a high school girl, but he can't hit a woman. I don't. I don't understand. Anyways. I think she was side younger rant. than that, though. I hmm? want to say she was like 12 or 13. Like, it was something, like, really young. She was high school, and they make reference to it. I think she's, like, 15. Like, I don't... I, I think she can, like, man, barely drive. I swore it was, like, 12 or 13. No, I don't... I would have sworn they referenced her being in high school. And I would have... Well, I'm not going to watch the movie again to find out. So. Yeah, seriously. Um, but th that is the part. That's so creepy and gross to me. And the fact that everybody is just like, it's like the greatest movie ever. No. No, this is this is a problematic movie. Anyways. Um, Brie Larson's in that. Um, my favorite line in that whole movie, vegans are just better than normal people. <laughs> so... The vegan police, that is, I'm sorry, that whole bit is fucking hilarious. <laughs> Chicken Parmesan's not vegan? <laughs> Branded Routh is just amazing. It's but, not even vegetarian, was, sweetie. But... <laughs> I know, that's the part that's great. Um, yeah, no, I, so, but overall, I thought Captain America, or Captain Marvel, it was good. Definitely yeah. a good thing. I hope that people can I mean, look I recommended at it a little it. more objectively. Oh yeah, I do too. I can't wait to show it to my husband. We had two tickets, so we ended up going just my daughter and me. Girls' day out. Well, but you I said he didn't want to him. see it. He didn't want to see it. No, he didn't. Um, but I, 
I think he'll he's on board now after we kind of pre-screened it and he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, okay, I'll see that one. Um, yeah, you know, again, mm-hmm. nice, not thrilling, but nice. Well, be, I will be buying tickets for everybody opening weekend of Endgame. That's uh, for sure. yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure, for and sure. And I probably will for Shazam just because I'm really excited about Shazam. I'm gonna I'm gonna wait to see reviews for it, but I'm cautiously optimistic for it. See, I don't read reviews. <laughs> Actually <laughs> It's so funny because I was a video game reviewer for so long and I'm like, no, I don't read reviews. <laughs> I love them. Um, that actually kind of bridges us nicely into what we've been reading because I've been reading Justice League Dark. Sam's not in that. No, but he should be because magic is dying. And I had to go searching through for this. The whole issue pissed me off. Like I was telling Carrie, I was like, oh, I should go and find that one panel that pissed me off. And I was like, oh, wait, it's all of them. So, but while you're looking for that, so, uh, Earlier, I was reading um, Nightwing. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, of course, you know, they're, it's DC, so they're promoting the Shazam movie in every mm-hmm. single DC comic, of course. Yes, they are. And in the back of it, you know, they're having this quick little interview. I'm sure it's like an every DC comic with, with um, Zachary Levi. Mm-hmm. And um, so one of the questions is, to me think of you in Justice League Dark, what powers does he get? Levi, Shazam is magic. Yeah. That's the first sentence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Oh, my God. They're back in Mira again, because why wouldn't they be back in Mira? Um, oh, Jesus. The, all the stuff that's just pissing me off. Um, so they're back in Mira. Nabu is evil and taking it over, and he has so- summoned the Lords of Order. What are the Lords of Order, you ask? I'm so glad you asked. Nobody's asking. Y- you did. Um, Sister Symmetry and Brother Pattern. Symmetry and Pattern are now villains. You guys, like, I told I you just, nobody asked. I just picture this, the writer having grown up in a house with, like, plaid carpet or wallpaper and was just like, oh my god, this is evil. So, well, I mean, you I, need to know. I, got, I kind of agree with that assessment. Actually, I can't. I, I would disagree with you. My father-in-law, his basement, his house was made like in 76, I think it was. The basement had brown and blue plaid carpeting, and it was the greatest thing you've ever seen. Oh, that um, sounds terrible. I was really sad when his house flooded and he had to replace the carpet. And I was like, oh. All I could think of his space balls. Like, they've gone to plaid. They've gone to plaid. That's exactly what it looked like, except instead of the red, it was blue. It was amazing. Um, so two big things happen in this issue that pissed me off. One, they kill Etrigan, which, okay, Etrigan, nobody's favorite character. Um, but that's like a big deal. And the way that they do it is Sister Symmetry and Brother Pattern pull them apart, destroying this magic character, right? Well, and then so then obviously, um, Jason dies, because Etrigan's gone and no longer to keep him alive. So, okay, that's great. So they, uh, they're they just dismantling Mira so they can kill all of magic, which you would think Shazam would, like, you know, be like, what? Um, here's the part that's upsetting to me, 
is that Wonder Woman and Cersei, but Wonder Woman and uh, Zatanna go to see Cersei, and Cersei, of course, is uh, um. Cersei is, of course, herself, right? You never trust this woman, but whatever, we're trusting her. They're trying to explain what's going on, and she's like, oh, of course, I know. This is the beginning of the end. There's not much time. This is all going according to your father's plan. Whose her father? Fa Zatanna's father. So, apparently, I am now calling one of two things. Okay, so, forgive me for my ignorance. No, 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 no. Who is Zatanna's father? So Zatanna's father, in some, in some realm, in some continuities, he was Doctor Doctor Fate. Um, he's a very, very powerful magician. That's what I knew him as because of Young Justice. Mm-hmm. So he's a very powerful magician, and yeah. So one of two things is going on here: either they're going to say that Zatanna's dad was evil all along, dun dun dun. Um, in which case, I'm going to rage. Or this is a giant Xanatos gambit in which he is... It's going to be one of those things where, like, the second that everything's about to be ended, that's exactly where they wanted him, and now it's time to strike. But again, irreparable, irreparable damage to magic in the DC universe, and no one else is talking about this. Shazam, again, I would think Shazam would be like, hmm. But if Shazam isn't, Wonder Woman's been gone for weeks dealing with this bullshit. I'm surprised the Justice League hasn't been like, oh, hey, where is that one lady? You know, that one person who's apparently not important enough for us to notice she's been missing. You know, Wonder Woman and her Justice League Dark visited Flash once. Oh. How did that go? Once. <laughs> Once. They were fighting something in Central City. And that's what does, yeah, sure. And I, don't, I you know, it's so many issues ago and I think Flash just happened to me he just mentioned it. He was like, you know, he's like, I was just kind of here to help, but it's really kind of hard to help with her Justice League Dark. Um and it was just kinda of like the first few pages and then they just went on their merry way. <laughs> sounds like every episode every issue of this damn series they're like it's starting to make sense and then it goes off the rails but you know also when I was reading Justice League you know Flash is part of Justice League and so is right. Wonder Woman and and both of them are doing huge parts in Heroes in Crisis as well Right. so it always kind of made me feel that it was like you know they were doing Either the Justice League stuff or the Flash stuff or the Justice League Dark stuff, you know, mm -hmm. outside, you know, in their spare time outside of what they do in Justice League. Right. That's the only way my, my tiny little brain can wrap around where everybody is. It's the only times. thing. It's the only thing that makes sense. But even then, again, like so much stuff is happening outside of it. Like, so much of their outside extracurricular stuff feels like it should be having an effect on the main stuff too. I guess I'm still just really angry that this is all happening in a bubble, which I'm convinced it's going to be alternate timelines or whatever. They're going to reboot the goddamn universe soon. You know, it and, just it's oh, driving me insane. All right, well, I'll, I'll get to my theory in a bit. Oh, right. 
Um, well, let's let's keep with our DC and go to Green Arrow. Yeah, so I wrote a big blog post about this because yes, you did. I didn't read Green Arrow when it first came out, and I kind of wish I did to have been a little more timely. So because I don't read CBR because I, and so I don't follow the solicits, uh, I never know when things are going to get canceled. Um, which I kind of like it that way because I think CBR, if you really read it religiously, it spoils a lot. Yes, it does. I'm not saying it's a terrible site. I think it's a great site. It's just, I just don't read it all the time because I think it spoils too many things for me. Um, I don't need CBR like going after us and <laughs> saying, you said our site's awful. No, no. I actually look, I actually use it all the time. Look up stuff. Cause after when I saw Green Arrow ended, that was the first site I went to. It was like, what the fuck? Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it really felt like out of nowhere, Green Arrow ended. Um, he's been, he had this, actually a wonderful fight with Vertigo. And it was really great because Vertigo was looking for Roy. Mm -hmm. and, when, and when Green Arrow realizes what he was doing, he's like, Roy's dead. And then Vertigo just kind of stopped what he was doing and kind of collapsed. And they were able to take him away and then black canary's like are you going to deal with this now and he's like no not now um you know she's like of course it's not now it's it's not never now because he hasn't really processed roy's death no he's he hasn't gone through the whole grieving process right with, with, with roy just yet but then at the end of that issue diana is diana dinah is sitting outside of their house and this Lurker comes up and she's like, move along. And he's like, you know, voice recognition confirmed. And she's like, wait, I know you. And it's this robot like tosses her this envelope. It was like, your target is Green Arrow. He must be eliminated. I'm like, all right, I don't know what this is about, but it sounds like it's going to be great for like a whole nother arc. Well, it turns out that she mentioned before that back when she was with the band, she did some spy work for the U.S. Well, apparently she's still doing spy work that we haven't known about all this time, which I roll. Mm -hmm. And they've decided that Green Arrow has become too much of a loose cannon and he has to be taken out. My and, eyes just rolled themselves. That was weird. And um, not only that, but they happen to know about a certain box that he has that you know the dooms the justice league thing that john jones gave him mm -hmm. which i'm like that's interesting how did they find out because i know green yeah. Arrow didn't say a word i know john right. didn't say a word and i know john wouldn't have given it to him if he thought there was any way they were being watched because he can kind of pick up on that it's kind of what he does right. So somehow they found out and so black canary's like you have to give it to me and then she gets mad at him for not telling her about it he's like but like couldn't tell you about it type thing um he refuses to put down the bow she tells the feds he he wouldn't put it down so they respond in the most calm and rational manner ever by bombing their house well yeah obviously i mean right. what else would you do carrie right you know never mind that it's in the woods they in seattle bomb the entire house mm-hmm yeah, I mean, Dinah's stuff was in there, too. But, you know, whatever. So he runs. She kind of runs after him. She ends up interfering with the um, feds trying to kill him and take the box. Mm -hmm. 
uh, sends him away. He's, he, she says she can't go with him and he needs to leave. So he goes, um, and for whatever reason, he decides to open the box. And there's nothing in the box. Which I was like, I don't know how to feel about this. Let's see what's in the box. Nothing! And so he like looks up at the sky. He's like, John, I know you can hear me. He's like, I know what you guys think of me. I'm an obligation to you because you can't control me. So he said, give me a pat on the back and give me this thing just in case, you know, mm-hmm. you guys step out of line. He's like, well, guess what? You will step out of line. And when it's there, it's not going to be the Spox. It's going to be me. And this whole time he's taking off his mask and he's taking off his uniform and he places the mask in the box and mm-hmm. closes the box and just leaves it there. And I guess that's like a message for John. And you can come pick it up. By the way, my mask's in there. Uh, like, I'm done type thing. And he leaves. Mm-hmm. But then the last panel is that closed box starts to glow green. Uh. And Green Arrow is done. And according what? to CBR, they are going to be rebooting Green Arrow. Oh, for fuck's sake. Um, but they don't know Again. When, but they don't know when. It has not been announced yet. So here is mm-hmm. my thing. Okay. We know. So what? according to CBR, this was the end of the Green Arrow rebirth era. Okay. So if you're going to end it called it's the rebirth era, then we have a lot of comics to reboot as the rebirth era. So either, uh, yeah. either we're going to have a whole bunch of endings and whole, and then everything's going, going to reboot all over again. And that's either going to take place like, you know, in piecemeal, like what Green Arrow has done. Mm-hmm. Or it's going to take place when something final is happening, which I, I put in my post that I theorize it's either going to be whenever the Justice League is done breaking whatever source wall thing, totality, what the fuck, Perpetua, yeah. whatever. Or... At the end of Doomsday Clock. Or pick one. Or both. <laughs> right. Because all we know about Doomsday Clock is that Dr. Manhattan sees a time where he meets Superman and then can't see anything after that. So he believes either that's his death, the end of the world. No idea. DC terms. Could be any of that. Exactly. That's weird. It is weird. So now I'm thinking like, okay, so what else of mine is going to end so we can rebirth it? Is it going to be Nightwing? Well, I guess it wouldn't surprise me because I don't know what the f- fuck they're doing with Nightwing. I, I, I really don't. Uh, like Dick has, or Rick has totally embraced being part of the Nightwings. They don't know his name. They just call him Cabby. And uh, he's totally cool with being a part of it. And, and, you know, Barbara comes to him and tells him, you know, like, you know, I'm sorry, I tried to make you be someone you're not. I just really miss Dick a lot, but I did try to get to know Rick. And, you know, I'm sure, you know, with you being part of the Nightwings, that Dick would be very proud of you. So I'm like, I don't like this asshole. (laughs) I I don't know people who do. Maybe some people do. um, But can we get a reboot on that, please? Uh, like, I'd actually be fine with it ending and <laughs> getting right. But, well, what's the point of giving him... So, what is the point of giving him a new personality just to be Nightwing again? I don't know. I'm sorry, I don't know why I was looking to you for answers. Like, 
I'm still reeling over the fact that Green Arrow ended. Like, out of nowhere. I'm just like, you know, just when Green Arrow was getting really good, they end it. It's like, this is like, you know, it happens to everything. I swear to God, something gets really, really good. And they decide to end it. Uh, and so I like, I tweeted out. I was like, apparently I just can't have nice things when it comes Ooh. to comics. Like, like I, I don't understand how Nightwings... Because actually, he has that on the cover. They had like Joker spray paint an S on the end of it. Or Joker's daughter. I'm sorry, it's Joker's daughter. Um, why that's still going, but yet Green Arrow, who actually had a really good thing going, ends. Right. And there's rumors like, oh, he's going to be a bigger part of the DCU. I'm like, well, I think the coolest thing about him was that he wasn't a big part of the DCU. <laughs> that was always kind of his thing. Are you guys going to make him join the Justice League when he's said over and over again he wants nothing to do with that? Where right. is Black Canary going to fit in on this? It's just... Uh, it's just uh, I know we say it's all the time, but it's... Yeah. I need DC to figure out what the hell they're doing. And... I don't know when that's going to happen. I guess with the reboots, you know, I guess when things go to shit, let's just reboot it. Pretend it never happened. Like there How many that, times have they done that? Like when was that? There was that wonderful article that Seth posted that, or was it Larry? I don't remember who it was. One of them posted that said that, oh, DC always knew that the new 52 was going to fail. Okay. It was you who posted it. I'm like, all right. What? Ever. You guys. So here's the thing really quick. As an aside, that mm-hmm. article made me think of this. Okay. It's like the third article that I've read recently where they're talking about, they're using the terms New 52 and Rebirth synonymously. That makes sense. It kind of does, but I thought the purpose of Rebirth, at least the series that I read, Rebirth, the purpose of Rebirth, New 52 was a reboot. Yes. And then Rebirth was another reboot of the New 52 because they found out that the New 52 wasn't working well. And so that they wanted to consolidate some of those and get rid of some of those stories. Right. So I always thought that it was a very clear line in the sand that, you know, this is like uh, the difference between like George W. Bush and Obama. Like we are now in a different presidency. This is now a different storyline. The 70s to the 80s. This is, you know no more of it's a very clear era yes and no because the continuity is the same um yeah that's true because like with with the flash you know he wasn't with iris for like a long time and he Mm -hmm. didn't get with iris until the very end of the new 52 and then um when the rebirth happened like it just picked i mean nothing changed just picked up right where it left off very Mm -hmm. few things changed in between um nightwing changed because he got to leave spiral and come back home um then you know titans was formed the teen titans changed up all these other little things happened because like at the last end of the teen titans uh they believed tim was dead and Mm -hmm. then the rest of them all just scattered and all those characters except for raven and beast boy have just disappeared which is a shame because they had some really good characters in there but it's just whatever um 
so then they you know kind of redone their 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 own teen titans so you've had like kind of re i always took rebirth as just kind of like we're shaking up a little bit we're still in the same world as new 52 but we're shaking we're doing a little bit of shake up to maybe change how things are going and then it started to become especially with superwoman when that came out it's you know because the clark of the new 52 died Mm-hmm. But the other Clark from before then and his family was there. So they've kind of been making a lot of hints, especially with Doomsday Clock and Dr. Manhattan and the button and all that, that what Rebirth is, it's this reconsolidating of these timelines between the New 52 and the past. Because the New 52, people did not like the New 52. I, I heard very mixed things about the New 52. I've heard yeah. so many people. I loved it. Said that that reinvigorated their love of comics. To get back into it because it was like a fresh start with all of that. And I've heard people say, oh, but it's not how it was. Like, well, sometimes things aren't how they've always been. I mean, you can't say that even in the 90s that Dick Grayson's uh or even like the early aughts before in a new 52 that Dick Grayson was the same as he was in the eighties or nineties, the silver age and the golden age and all that. They've all become their own different things over time. There's even different origin stories in the middle of all of that. So there's really almost no major continuity, just, you know, similar stories, but the new 52 is like, no, we're just going to start all over. Be thanks to flashpoint. And, this is where we are going. And I was fine with it. I didn't need an explanation about why things are different. I was fine that there was a new kid flash. Okay. So it's not, you know, the Wally West that we've all known. It's a mm-hmm. redhead kid. I didn't care. I was fine with this new Wally. He has his own characteristics. It was great. Why yeah. did we, and I guess, I don't know if people got pissed about it or, or what, but, um, this is unfortunately where we are they're like it's almost like they're trying to backtrack from the new 52 like they're Mm -hmm. like they really are trying to reconcile those two universes and with rebirth that's failing too yeah which is why sure which is why i think that they in the middle of rebirth they renumbered justice league because they're moving towards this end Mm -hmm. yeah for sure it makes me so glad that I'm only reading, well, technically I'm reading two DC series, but we're not even going to talk about Catwoman this week. Um, it makes me glad that my I've only dipped my toes into this. I'm honestly surprised you're still reading Justice League Dark. It's like a fucking train wreck. <laughs> and I know that, well, I know that we've talked about this before, but Larry and I talked about this specifically. I just keep thinking that, okay, well, next issue, it's going to make sense. Like, they're, they are destroying the magic universe. Not just tampering with. Literally destroying it. And I just keep waiting to see either, okay, now it makes sense, or, more importantly, um, when it's going to tee into the rest of the world. So, you know, I don't know. One of my favorite shows back in the day in the early aughts when we were young and we didn't know any better was cheaters. I used to love to watch that show. This has a point, I promise. So I used to love to watch that show because when the person got exposed for cheating, like 
they would always be like, oh, look, we have all of this irrefutable proof. And my favorite part would be when the person started to deny it. Because it's like, how can you even argue with this, you dumbass? They have video of you doing this thing. But every, well, not every time, but like 90% of the time, usually with the men, oh, no, 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 you misunderstand. This is all, right? And that was my favorite part is just watching people get try to get themselves out of, a sh- out of shit. So Justice League Dark is filling that my love of watching people talk their way out of a bad situation. Like, this is going to fulfill... So am I comparing it in quality level to cheaters? Oh, yes. Yes, unmistakably. It's just missing Joey Greco, Gecko, whatever the hell his name was. Um, Yeah, that's the only reason I'm still reading it now. And again... I love Constantine, and I love Zatanna, and I love Swamp Thing. It's all of my favorite characters. I, uh, I just want them. I want again. I want this to make sense. I know how much you love Man Bat. Man Bat's not even bothering me. Mm. Man, I I went into the series hating Man Bat, and at this point, I'm just like, this is fine. He's actually probably one of the better characters in the series, only because they don't That's seem so to sad. know. Swamp Thing has just become a background character. He's just there. The Parliament, which to be fair, the Parliament of Trees are dead. He should be fucking dead. The World Tree is dead. He should be dead. He's just still there. He like every now and then will be like, I agree, or we should do something. Mostly he's just in the <laughs> I back. <am> Groot. <laughs> exactly. That's basically what they've made him. He's just kind of there in the art. They just, they cannot figure out what they want to do with him. And they're bouncing everywhere. I mean, the, it's so over the board. Uh, Man Bat is at least, like, trying to make rational decisions and stuff. So I at least kind of understand, at least with him, I'm like, alright, at least somebody's fucking thinking. Um, Bobo is super irritating, and it's really hard. It's hard to be me right now. <laughs> but... So, actually, that extends a little bit to Criminal, um, which is, everybody knows how much I love my Ed Brubaker and my Sean Phillips. Love them. Um, I don't know what I was expecting from Criminal. It, so the last few issues have been, and I I have to think this is somewhat semi-autobiographical, or at least, like, maybe like one of those amalgams where you like took all these industry stories and just combined it into one. The story has been about a guy who's probably our age now, but he's reminiscing about when he first got started in the comic book industry. And he worked for one of his heroes who I think he penned Conan. Um, They're not calling it Conan, but that's basically what it was. It was this big-time sword and sorcery comic book that was huge. He's like, an, he's like a household name. Um, they, like they mentioned a couple times that he's not quite as big as Stan Lee, but like anybody who's anybody's heard of the guy. Okay. Uh, and so he, the guy is just, you know, he's an alcoholic. He's old. He's like in his 70s, and he's been thrice divorced, and he owes all this alimony, and he's gotten rid of his art over the years, and now he wants it back. And so the whole thing has been about this one time that the guy decides he's gonna hide, he's gonna go and steal his artwork back from somebody with his with this guy who was his protege, and 
so it's this big long story, and it just kind of you're just like, oh, it's kind of cringy. Mm-hmm. Like it's that awkward kind of stuff where you're just like, oh god, the guy is so drunk and not okay. And I kept thinking it was going somewhere, like something's gonna happen, and then it just kind of ended. Like the whole time he's been on the hunt for this super rare artwork. And then it ends with the guy being like, with the young guy being like, oh yeah, actually, I, I, I've known all along that this artwork's in his house. He's just forgotten that it's there. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So I was like, that's an interesting story. It's a cool story, bro. Yeah. You know, there's a few movies like that, too. Actually, there's a lot. Of, the one that jumps to, mo- most, to mind most prevalently is about Schmidt. It's one of those things where you're like, well, that was an interesting like slice of life character study but what's the point Mm. so it was interesting and they did tie it back to a character from the very beginning the first issue so I was like well this is all interesting but okay again I like Ed Brubaker and I like Sean Phillips so I'm willing to give it a chance I'm going to give it a chance to see like if if they make this make sense but yeah it kind of sucked because I got to because the new issue came out today and I got to the end of it and I was okay. <laughs> well, and, and my husband even was like, "What?" And so I explained it to him and he was just like, "Huh? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, it makes sense. It just okay. I don't know. So I'm not. It was good. I'm just not super jazzed about like the next issue like yeah. at all." It's just, it's kind of weird. And, no, that's not actually, I actually, no, I'm, I am, the other one that I have, A Walk Through Hell, I really struggled. So I was going to talk about this one last podcast, but we got, like, so crazy into DC stuff. I had to mention it at least, because it's still so good and I'm enjoying it, but it was the first issue in a while where, like, I was uncomfortable reading it. Hmm. Um, Yeah. It tries to establish all of these horrible things that happened to this, our main villain, right? He's trying to explain that he is basically this evil creature and that he had to go down this horrible path. And so he starts explaining something that happened to him and you're like, oh, God, that's all. He explains that he kills his family and he gets sent to juvenile detention. And I had known that violence in boys' juvenile homes is bad. Mm -hmm. It's a terrible age. You have kids between, like, 12 and 14. It's just a bad age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's all kinds of shit going on. So, like, he talks about how they beat him up first, and then they rape him. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, that's terrible. And then he just kind of keeps going. Oh, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. And I'm just like, Kay, like, holy shit, now you're just gilding the lily. I got it. This was bad. And they just kind of keep going and going. And some of the art is kind of horrific. Um, It's all implied stuff, but it gives you just enough that you're like, that's... The thing that's interesting about it is that um, it stars a female character. She is an FBI agent. And I don't know if you remember, the reason she's in hell right now is that she knew this guy was guilty. They could not prove he was guilty. So she planted evidence 
so that they could really get the guy. So she did something terrible. Um, she has a female captain who she greatly admires and seems like a really interesting character, but they just revealed that maybe she's involved in this and not in a good way. Hmm. Because your first thought, right, and they, they actually do, there's one thing I like about it is that the writing's pretty smart. They do call attention to it. Is that the kid he's talking about, you know, I killed my parents and I had all this awful stuff happen and blah, 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 blah. And one of the FBI agents is like, no, 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 this is bullshit because when we arrested you, even if that rest record was locked, it should have thrown up a red flag. We should have seen, like, oh, this guy has a, a record that's close to us, but there is a record there. And um, he's like, and the bad guy's like, well, no, because I had help to hide me. Like, none of the stuff that you know about me is even my real identity. And so now it seems that maybe the captain is involved in that somehow. Um, it's starting to twist and turn, and I love it. But that, I was a little disappointed in the issue. Because, again, it, it went full Ellis. And you never go full Ellis. Um, it, again, like, you get to some point where you're like, I get it. I get, like, I felt, again, I felt like Hades. I know, I know, I get the concept. <laughs> like, Flames and everything, too. So I'm yelling at the fates. Um, yeah, that one, it, it's good. I like it still. I'm really excited about it. But that, that was a hard issue to read. I can imagine. Kind of needlessly. Maybe I'm just getting old. So I told my husband, I was like, I think, I wonder if I'm getting, like, old. That I'm like, oh, this is so needlessly violent. Let's go back to knitting. Um, I, well, I mean, like, I kind of felt the same way about... Um, in Nightwing New 52, uh, Death of the Bat Family. Oh, yeah. Just with the Joker had obviously sliced off his face and was wearing it as a mask. You could see the flesh, you know, underneath and all that. Like, it was really hard to look at him. Like, I just yeah. kind of couldn't. And some of the artists really took glee with it. Mm -hmm. And it was like, guys, okay, we get it. We get it already. I, yeah, I don't need that to constantly be reminded but you have two Marvel no, but, series but the best part is uh and the Nightwings with Joker's daughter she's wearing a flesh face and like it's almost like they kind of suggest that it might be his face that he used to wear because it's definitely not hers you can see her skin just just fine Ugh. yeah it's kind of nasty that's the smell. I don't think they cured it. Anyway. <laughs> cured his face. You have two, I mean, you have two Marvel series that you're reading as well this week. Because you have Uncanny X-Men. Mm-hmm. Which is uh, still the adventures of, you know, Scott and Logan saving the world. I guess. You know, I mean, it's nice that they've mended the bridge. It's really funny because they... It's like they say they don't like each other, but yet mm -hmm. they're there for one another. Right. And they cut each other down to the point where they, they both get humble again. So it's like, okay, you, you're almost like brothers in, in a weird way, even though Alex is there. Right. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't feel like they've made any progress in trying mm -hmm. to find how to bring everybody back. But at the same time, I don't know if they exactly know where they've all 
on or how to. So it's it's more like they're just trying to bring all the mutants together that they can. And but the other problem they've run into is that there's been this new new faction that's formed the Mutant Liberation Front, and it's run by Hope, which Scott kind of has a really hard time with. Oh, that would be a little hard. And for him. so they're trying to track them down, right? And uh, try to stop them and bring them in so that because they want to get the world a little more stable for mutants before they bring Ooh. everybody back. Even though the world is pretty right. much like they're all gone. This is the best thing ever. We don't have to worry about any of this. Right. So it's it's a weird kind of mix with that. Mm. And even though Scott really hasn't been dead that long, I mean, not mm. compared to Gene, he still seems like so out of it. And yeah. but he um, he said something just kind of almost made you know as a tearjerker. He was talking to oh God, I forget who. It was one of the Morlocks, and he said, "I used to say that." When you're on their deathbed, you will never regret doing the right thing. And she said, you used to say? He goes, well, yeah, because I died with a lot of regrets. Mm -hmm. She's like, oh, dude, mm -hmm. that's really sad and hard. Um, it is. But in between these two issues was Uncanny X-Men. Um, oh, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I was like, <laughs> I forgot something. Oh, no, wait. No, I didn't. It was like this weird thing that happened before X-Jesus came and like Bobby Drake and it was his birthday and having a big party. But him from the far, far future came back to try to kill him. And Bobby's like, that's just dumb. <laughs> like, you say I'm going to do these things, but you, you don't know. Like, I could change don't know the future and so the guy's like oh okay i guess it kind of makes sense and bobby's like do you want to come to my party he's like well sure i haven't seen people in forever and there's a lot of those there was a lot of little fun poking fun at x-men moments like i was showing mm -hmm. you earlier that his parents are there and they're still pissy that their son's a mutant and gay so they're not you know very happy that all these mutants are there at this party and so they see this future bobby and they're like, who's this? Because he's encased in ice. He's got like a, an ice beard and all this. So you really couldn't tell it was him. He's like, oh, well, actually, this is me from the future who has come back. And his mom gets up. She's like, that's it. I can't take any more time traveling shit. I'm like, yes, Mrs. Drake. <laughs> I yes. am with you on that. This is kind of a random little fun. They kind of remind me of the Christmas episode. Although, mm. like, but then when I read the one from this week, and Scott's talking to the Morlocks, uh they're babysitting Shogo and really is like, Oh my God, I guess Jubilee got taken. So she's been separated from her baby. Oh, right. I don't remember her being there, but to be fair, I wouldn't remember her. She was there because it's Jubilee. Yeah. Nobody's favorite mutant. But like one thing I didn't put on here was X-Force, which is, it's, it, it's fun. I hate the art in it. It's unfortunate. I just really hate the art and how they draw everybody. But the end of uh, X-Force, they, they ended up, because they're, they're trying to find where Rachel went. And turns out she's just gone. But they managed to kill Ahab in the end. But he's like, yeah, Rachel's not here. 
And then, because Rahab, he, he was like, but you have no idea what you have unleashed coming after me and looking for Rachel. And I wish I could be here to see it. And so he died. And they're like, okay, what's going on? Then like a portal opens and who walks through but Strife. Did anybody ask for this? I know I didn't. I know Seth didn't. <laughs> was anybody sitting around like, oh man, you know, it'd be awesome. The weird thing is, though, is that Strife calls Cable by a completely different name. And I don't mean Cable, like his full name is not Nathan Summers. Calls him some Nathan something else. I'm like, well, that's interesting. So maybe this kid Cable's not really Nathan Summers. I, or is this from a different timeline? See, now I'm going to go down that road and that's just going to piss me off. So. <clears throat> Throw your hands up in the middle of a restaurant. I don't know if this time travel shit. Yeah, pretty much. Although I will say, like the the Uncanny X Men, the little in interlude. It actually showed Sabretooth. Mm hmm. Um. Out Sabretoothing. Mass murdering people because he's more animal than man. Right, because he's evil again. Right. No, it's not even that he's evil. He just. Or he lost his conscience, that's what it was. Yeah, his morality, conscience. I think. And he but he's more uh, literally a beast now than, than man. He's gone through phases like that before where they really they really double down on that feral nature of his. Right. Which I hate. I liked which we talked about before. I liked funny Sabretooth. Sabretooth was actually a conscience, the one that was he had some tendencies to do bad things but like go rob a bank with domino but he also was still trying to help and do good yeah. just in his own weird saber-toothy way so that guy's gone <clears throat> sucks so Cullen Bunny needs to come back and fix that saber-tooth because he wrote a really good one before but anyway yeah we're, we are where we are now so, but yeah, I'm also reading, I'm reading the new, the new Captain Marvel on, um, it's, it's been interesting. Um, uh, she's kind of here, like working with um, the Avengers, but still struck like Tony asked her to come back to the Avengers, but she's still kind of going out in space and dealing with things. And I knew you'd need to reread the first few issues again, because I've kind of lost track of stuff, but she ends up getting pulled into this alternate dimension where basically it's this pocket dimension that nuclear man has created and he's kidnapped all of these women to be there because he's trying to find one that will produce him a a strong heir and so he gets her he's pulling she hulk in there and she was going after she hulk that's how she got in and he's like oh well you're here you're like the most powerful woman of all this is this is great uh but his son kind of escaped from him and was actually like uh, helping these other women escape and they all they were hiding in this camp so carol's there you know i'm i'm here to help they form a plan they're gonna go attack as she's barreling through she's like well this is too easy and then she just gets like punched in the face hard and she's like slinging back and she's like all right who got the number that like who did that and it's rogue standing there saying you know carol we never did finish our fight the last time and that's how it ended. So I'm like, <gasps> yeah. Oh. So I was like, well, but she's supposed to be on her honeymoon. Like she's with Gambit. And they're like, oh wait, it's Kelly Thompson. Is writing both. 
So right. like, so she knows where Rogue has been, and I guess Rogue might have been kidnapped to this area too. Maybe she's been brainwashed. It's happened to her before, many times. Well, you know she's super strong, so that's true too. But how that would be problematic. I'm kind of looking forward to a rogue Carol Danvers fight. Oh yeah, that'd be awesome. Round two. Right? <laughs> like, I don't remember which series it was, because I read two. It might have been, actually, it might have been Uncanny Avengers, now that I think about it. Where Carol was flying them somewhere, and Rogue thanked her for the lift. And she said, you know, the last time you were on board my ship, I don't remember you being so nice. <laughs> like, damn. <laughs> yeah, I think I had told you, we saw uh, Captain Marvel at the Alamo. And before the movie, they did two really cool things. One was they did this entire history breakdown of Captain Marvel in DC Comics and in Marvel Comics. Oh, so Shazam? Yeah. Shazam, yeah. So that was really cool. So they explained the history of, like, how they lost the Shazam copyright and all, or the Captain Marvel copyright mm -hmm. and all that. And that was really cool. But they also showed the highlights from the 90s cartoon where Rogue steals... And uh, so they just kind of show her, like, stealing her power and then her haunting her and then the end part when Rogue's visiting and they're like, you know our Jane Doe? And, yeah, her name's like, Carol, Carol Danvers. Danvers. And she smiles. Uh, I was watching it and I was like, oh, God, it's so great. But that's funny. I like that. Mm -hmm. So Kelly Thompson, I, you love her. I mean, you're really liking her writing. Well, just... And it's the only thing she's ever really written, you know, is about Rogue and stuff. But shit, like, she writes the character so well. Like, well, it sounds like she comes at it from a fan's perspective, right? Well, a fan who now writes. I suppose, but it's not fan service either. No. You know, um, she's still able to really capture a lot of, you know, Rogue's issues at, at the same time. It's because it's, it's, it's like she's been with her from the beginning. She knows Ooh. the ins and outs of Rogue and she knows the ins and outs of Gambit and everything that everything the relationship has gone through but and she's a funny writer so right of course, I, that. of course I love that I always like it when they bring humor in because you know I get my grimdark from uh, military science fiction novels so I'm I don't really need it in my comics right <laughs> I can only handle so much grimdark otherwise yeah. I'll Otherwise, I'll be like Jeff Lemire. People are wondering me how I am. <laughs> exactly. Are you okay, Jeff? Still wondering. <laughs> Again, smile. Let us know it's okay. You should smile more, Jeff. <laughs> just, I just want to know you're okay. Um, it's impossible to say that without sounding awful. Um, the last series on my list, which I know that you just haven't gotten to, so I'll try not to spoil it too much. Just... Yeah, but I see you put it on my list, too. No, I didn't. I put something else on there. So, Murder Falcon. Oh. Uh, Murder Falcon was really good this week. My favorite thing about it, though, is that um, just how touching and emotional the series has gotten. So, in the series, the or in this issue, the characters get separated, and Anne is talking with um, the guy from the Norwegian black metal band. Oh, right. And they're like, how are we going to get in to help our friends? 
And he's like, all right, you're going to have to help me play. And she's like, well, I can't. I don't, I don't play anything. I can't even sing. And he's like, well, technically you don't have to sing. He's like, you just need to channel your pain. And so they have this so, montage. It's so, so, it's so, so metal. cliche, but oh, okay. It is. But the art is wonderful because it's her holding this microphone and it like just flashes back to the chemo treatments. Oh, God. And her having to watch those. Yeah. And it's the best art in the world where she just screams into the microphone. And on one hand, it's delightful. And you kind of laugh because you're like, oh, this is awesome. But on the other hand, just like, oh, it triggered such an emotional response to me. Because it's just like, oh, man. You know, it, obviously I haven't gone through that specifically. But there are those times when you're dealing with something and you just want to scream. Mm -hmm. And it was just this nice cathartic moment, and the whole issue is amazing. I won't spoil it since you haven't read, since you haven't read it yet. But I just, it's really, really good. But there's this panel with her screaming into this microphone that I was like, "This is phenomenal artwork." It's just, it is. Again, who saw this kind of emotion in a comic about a literal? Falcon with a mechanical arm that's powered by metal. <laughs> Not me. But no, so I threw I threw the last series onto both of us because technically it's not a comic series, but it is a comic book show that we're both watching. Uh, it's Doom Patrol. Just because, you know, I just had to remind everyone that Doom Patrol is good. Is good. It really is good. It has a preaching cockroach. Like, I don't think I need to say anything else. And I mean, really, like, between Alan Tudyk and a oh preaching cock cockroach, like, what else do you need? Alan Tudyk is just amazing. We don't he deserve so... Alan Tudyk. No, we don't. <laughs> we don't. And his narration is so wonderful and so spot on. And he breaks the fourth wall a lot. <laughs> but it's wonderful. Oh, it's so wonderful. Because it's generally talking directly. Like... I I know that breaking the fourth wall means he's talking directly to the audience, but it's funny because it feels like he's he's channeling that more sardonic side of us as viewers. And I don't know. I just love it. I just had to say that really quickly. That was well, there was that one part where, you know, he tells Niles, he's like, well, of course I'm going to help. I haven't even been in the last two episodes. You know, yeah. He's not even talking to us. He's talking to another character. <laughs> Yes, well, that's great, but then also the uh, in the first, the very first episode when he's like, and thus together they form the team that nobody saw coming except for all of us. <laughs> or it's like this: the story begins like how all stories do, with a Nazi scientist <laughs> visit to a Nazi. Like, yeah, oh or my when, god! Or when he's um. When he says, uh, he's like, another superhero show series. Have you killed yourself yet? <laughs> so bad. Wait, I think it's the second episode. Um, and he greets everybody. He's like, oh, did you decide to stick around after the pilot? <laughs> That's right. Well, and then what happens when he's like, now that we've lost all of the casual fans and just got the Redditors. <laughs> right. <laughs> I laughed so hard because I subscribe to the subreddit anyways <laughs> no it's i was joking with my husband it's like no i got carrie to watch the show too so mm, i did my part <laughs> but it's like a cult i know right um cult patrol um 
I just like it. It's so much fun. But speaking of things that we like and are so much fun, but we I mean, have. A well, I have to say one thing. It is. It is oh, yeah? so much fun. But it's like dark. Oh, it's super dark too. I mean, shit. I mean, this relationship, like this last episode, where they were really diving into everything between Robot Man and Jane, was just kind of yeah. horrific in many, many ways. It, it was. Um, I like. I love the I love the relationship between Cliff and Jane mm-hmm. because they are these two broke well actually all of the Doom Patrol they're all these broken people right who just need to fix themselves or at least come to terms with their damage I guess mm-hmm. um, so I really like that but yeah I it is very apparent that he already looks at her as like a surrogate for his daughter mm-hmm. although. I have a feeling that will change and become something different over time, but... I don't think it's going to be romantic, though. I think it was in the comics. Oh, really? That's just weird. So I think it might, um, but I don't know. I think I think he, like, has a romantic relationship with Jane. Not with any of the other personalities. So, uh, so far, I think of her personalities. Dr. Harrison might be my favorite. Oh, my God, yes. I did. Yeah, I loved that when uh, she was all so crazy. Mm-hmm. What should we do? Dance. I had to watch the episode to understand any of that, but it's so wonderful. Um, yeah, Dr. Harrison's definitely my favorite. I felt as though that was probably the first time that we really got to see... This episode was really the first time that we really got to see... Um, I can't think of her name. The girl who's playing Crazy Jane. Um, she's really had two personalities. Mm-hmm. Angry and cutesy. And so this one was the first one where we got to see a little bit more from her. Because you had Penny Farthing, mm-hmm. right? And then you also had Dr. Harris, who was this very calculating, cold person who was a middle ground. So... I liked that mm-hmm. because most of the other personalities are just really angry, which makes sense. But it's also the one that the little girl, baby doll, yeah, the cutesy one. Yep, but I, yeah, but yeah, also, I like. But we also found out in that episode that um, her main personality is not Jane. Mm-mm. Kay, but no one talks about Kay. Right, because K is definitely a trigger for her. It shuts her down, so mm-hmm. to speak. And um, at first, I thought that they were going to make it be Katie, who we've are, we've seen too. Um, but I was glad they didn't, since Katie lives deep in the underground. Uh, that was the fire one, which right. turns like it. Yeah, there's that other one that had all the braids, and that what she would say would materialize. That's. She's that again. That's another angry persona, right. but I like her. She's yeah. cool. She looks like uh, she looks like the War Boys from Mad Max Fury Road, shiny and chrome. And yes, I love when she says Nazi fucks, and it comes out in the metal. And she, yep, <laughs> oh, amazing. It's such a bizarre show. It's so off the wall, but it's also very self-aware. Right. So it kind of works for it, I think. 
I liked it. I like it a lot um, too. I recommend it to people, and I feel like there's enough issue ep- issues episodes now that if you sign up for the free trial, you could watch probably three or four of them. And if you don't like it, you're probably not gonna like it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like now there's enough that you could test it out on the trial and then see. Um, Man, I was hooked on the first episode. I was too. Titans, I... not so much. Hmm? Titans, not so much. No, Titans is, oh God, Titans really is the JRPG of shows. Like, you gotta give it six hours, and then it gets good. Um, which I hate. God, I hate being that person. At least Doom Patrol really kicked it off. I was strong. hooked after, so I was hooked strong. after episode one. I was totally sold after the second episode. Hmm. I really like the kid playing Cyborg. He, yeah, he's really good. I just, and I also love Rita. Oh, I love Rita. I absolutely love Rita. She has, yeah, she has a lot of issues, like all of them do. But, which, and I understand why she has problems. Oh yeah, with what she's become, and she has a hard time letting it go. And there is so much fear, which I think is what's keep why she keeps saying we're not heroes because I think she's afraid. Oh, she's terrified. It's not that she's afraid she's going to die. She's just afraid of using her powers. Well, because she doesn't really know how to use. I don't think she right. realizes yet it's a tool to be used. Although, so she I think did she's a little against uh, the chaos magician when she was uh, yes, trying she to did. protect Elliot. Like that was the first time I was like, oh, so. Well, her too. I mean, you could see that look right. on her face where she was like, whoa. So I'm hoping they don't lose that. I'm hoping we don't have to go through a few more episodes of her being like, but I don't know if I can do anything. Like I would like her to start being like, okay, I did a thing. I think this is what's going to kick her into gear because I do too. You know, she, when she went and waited for Elliot to reappear and he didn't and um, which was so sad. Um, although t- <laughs> same time though, I kept laughing at the staring contest <laughs> yes. between the D creator and the recreators. Like, what are they doing? Staring contest. Actually. So they don't actually like establish whether or not they leave. So is that just now the tight, the doom patrols world? There's two eyeballs staring at each other. Oh, I thought they showed that they left. Did they? Because I got to the end of the episode and I was like, wait a minute, did they show that they left? I think they did. Okay, cool. Because, yeah, we got to the end and I was like, hmm, just a staring contest for the rest of the world. thought it was hilarious. I also like when he hands her the pamphlet and she's like, you want me to start a cult called the Recreator to combat the Decreator? And he was like, it was the best I could do on short notice. (laughs) (laughs) So So self-aware. So very self-aware. I loved it. I thought it was great. But before we wrap up for the evening, we should announce that we are going to be adding yet another podcast to our repertoire because we've got all this free time on our hands that, you know, we felt like we should cure that problem. (laughs) Um, We have no free time. Uh, But both Carrie and I are super into Warhammer 40k. Um... I convinced her to get into it. I'm so proud of myself because it's amazing. Um, And so because we read a lot of Warhammer 40k books and we spend a lot of money on them, we figured why not start a podcast about it and get everybody else to spend money on them and also read them with us so we're not the only ones with problems. (laughs) (laughs) 
I almost wish I was recording the video to that so you could see the, like, she had a nice, like, you know, used car salesman smile there. That's right. Joy and us, one of us. Um, so we are going to be doing a podcast. I think we're going to try to start off doing it maybe once a month. So mm-hmm. give us some time to read a book. The first book that we're reading is Dark Imperium by Guy Haley. Uh, it is out in paperback right now. And you do have to be a little, at least a little uh, familiar with the Warhammer 40k world <laughs> for any of it to make sense. I wrote an article forever ago on Forbes. That, give you an idea how long ago that was. That was the guide to getting into the Warhammer 40k universe. I think I'm actually going to repurpose that say, article. I think you need to republish it on the site that we're building. I'm going to uh, also updating the books because some of the books that I had put on there they were in they were in print at the time but they no longer are. So, but they're like some of them, like the Night Lords books, for instance. No, those are now on an omnibus. Okay, yeah. So, yeah. just get the omnibus. Um, so just updating that and putting that out there because yes, there is a great order in which to dive into all of this stuff so that it makes sense, any sense because otherwise. You'll just look, yeah, once you dive in, you're like, what the fuck is going on? Um, well, it's not yeah. even just, like, making sense. It's to kind of ease you, to find the right ones to kind of ease you into the lore bit by bit. So, like, mm-hmm. I think, what you, I think you recommended Ultramarines, Ultramarines Omnibus. Omnibus. And by, is the first thing I recommend. Uh, but I think the big reason why... You recommended it to me, though, because at first you recommended Eisenhorn, and then you're like, no, I think you need to look to Ultramarines Omnibus. And But that was also because I had played what really, when I first found out about Warhammer 40k, and we'll probably talk about this when we start the podcast, is thanks to a game called um, Warhammer 40,000 Space Marine. Because I'd never heard of Warhammer before none of it and i saw it at e3 and i made this comment i was like space marine we can come up with a more generic name for a video game and my friend ross is like you never heard of warhammer i was like no he goes well don't knock it till you try it we're gonna we're gonna play that one together i was like okay played it like holy shit we have a chainsaw sword it's like the best thing ever and i loved the game but in the game tapped into just enough of the lore to make you curious why certain things were the way they were or why people, why characters reacted the way, the way that they did. Um, so that always kind of got me interested. And I was talking, I became friends with Jen later and I was kind of talking about that. She's like, well, you know that they're books. Cause we were talking about how I was into, um, Actually, I was at that E3 with you and we talked about it there too. Yeah. It was like, well, you know, the extended universe. Yes, yes. That I'm really into extended universe. And Jen's like, oh my god, I am too. Like, I read the books and so we're talking mm-hmm. about it. And so she has to have ever read any Warhammer books. And I was like, no. So recommendation. And so Ultramarines came up. And it took me a couple of tries to get into it. Because, like, I'd read it and be like, I don't, this is, like, so much. And I realized in a weird way, kind of had to be mentally ready for it. And it mm-hmm. kind of helped talking to other people about the lore and that's one thing I also want to do with the podcast is kind of bring some lore to the attention because you do need it's kind of nice to have a buddy to help fill in some things as you get into it because Mm -hmm. I mean it's not uh, because really how people got into it was by the tabletop game they actually would buy the codexes or codices and you know Mm -hmm. learn that and then they would get into the books so I know nothing about the tabletop game I don't know how it works I like watching people play it when I go to the Citadel because they're really into it. 
but I love the lore behind it. Absolutely yeah. love it. We'll probably, yeah, we'll probably talk about this on the podcast. I got into it actually through Dawn of War. Uh, when we started playing that game, we years and years ago, mm-hmm. like after it first came out, we were like, wow, this is really exciting. It seems like, actually, I take that back. We were playing it, and my husband and I were both familiar with StarCraft. Mm-hmm. And we were playing with some of our friends, and we were playing it, and we were like, oh, man, StarCraft called and wants its fucking money back. And somebody was like, holy shit, you don't know. So then they actually recommended, they were like, go out and find this book. And it was the first book in the Ultramarines book. And then we saw that it was in an omnibus. And so we grabbed that and we grabbed Eisenhorn and just fell into it. And we're like, and again, kind of like you did from Space Marine, we had just enough knowledge from the game to then be like, oh my God, this all makes sense now. Mm -hmm. And so... Yeah, once you and you just start getting more and more into it, and because the world is so rich. But my husband and I were actually talking about um, one of the reasons that I love the universe so much is that he just finished a short story, in which it's about a commissar who comes from a nomadic world, tribal world, and he's a commissar and he's been fighting on the front lines with affixing bayonets and it's a, my favorite meme. Um, but so he's been fighting with last guns. And he goes home, and when he goes home, he gets dragged into, like, a kind of a civil war that's going on on the planet. And because there are nomadic people, he ends up being on horseback fighting with a spear. So in the span of, like, a week, he goes from using laser guns against giant bugs to fighting on horseback with a spear. And that's all okay, because that could all happen in this world. I love it. It's amazing. That's um, very... Yeah, that's accurate. So I will republish that article um, and we'll figure out how to get that up there and update some of the books in there. And then, um, yeah, we'll start diving into it. So if you want to join us on this crazy journey and you are familiar with the Warhammer 40k universe, pick up Dark Imperium so you can follow along at home. Uh, If you're not, be on the lookout for that article. I was like, I've tried to think of something witty to say and I don't got it. Well, why don't you take us out then? Yeah, that's probably probably a, g- a good idea. So thank you all for listening once again. Um, for Yelling About Comics, you can find us, of course, on the website at yellingaboutcomics.com. We're also on, um, I think it's now called Apple Podcasts. I keep forgetting to look that up. Whatever. It's on iTunes, okay? It's on yeah, iTunes. Yeah, that one thing. And, uh, and yeah, the main way you get podcasts, it's on that. So it's on iTunes. We're also on uh, Google Podcasts. And we're on Stitcher as well. Uh, of course, you can also find us on Twitter where you'll see me like scream about why the fuck did Green Arrow just end or why I can't have nice things. Or sometimes Jen will make memes and then I'll post those <laughs> on the Yell About Comics. And so the Twitter is Yell About Comics. The Facebook is Yelling About Comics. And you can find Jen on Twitter at Jen Bozier. And you can find me at Crunchy Chocobo. And we'll be back here in a couple of weeks, God willing. And with that, say good night and good luck. Courage and honor.
such an honor. Mm, you're welcome. Yeah.